Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a big company bust story, but first a story from Bunny O'Hara. You sure you want me to eat that? My 90-year-old mother and I were reminiscing about my father, and we laughed at tears thinking about this one time my father put his foot down with me and how he never did it again. To this day, mom has no clue why my dad acted so out of character that day. My father was one of the most beautiful human beings I've known. And 35 years after his passing, I still miss him and aspire to be half as decent and kind as he was. He had a gentle voice and manner, and he never, ever raised his voice or used harsh words with us kids. We never knew that mom and dad would discuss and agree on discipline behind the scenes because, to us, dad stayed mostly silent on the matter and mom was the front man when it came to law and order. One rule was that we never had to eat something we didn't like but we would have to take one bite of something new before saying we didn't like it. Other than that, we had no other food rules or pressures. Like most moms 50 years ago, mom was in charge of our food and knew better than dad what our individual idiosyncrasies were. One of mine was that I ate most things dry because I hated soggy food, and still do. I couldn't deal with the texture of soggy food to the point that I wouldn't have milk on my cereal butter on my toast, and absolutely no syrup, etc. on my pancakes. And I could only eat pancakes made with Bisquick, commercial baking mix, because it made a very firm, dry pancake that I could eat like toast. One day when I was about 8, we were visiting Grandma, who made a typical huge Grandma breakfast spread with bacon, eggs, pancakes, etc. As the pancakes were being passed out, I asked if they were Bisquick, and when told that they were made from scratch, I said, No thank you. As I handed them to my dad, he picked one up and put it on my plate anyway. I said, but I don't like these, daddy. To which he replied, your grandmother went through all this trouble, so the least you can do is eat one of them. Cue the malicious mom compliance. I can still picture mom staring at him in disbelief. She started to explain about the Bisquick thing and how it was a really bad idea, but when dad shot her a quick look, she just kinda shrugged okay and said to me, do your best. So I took a bite, then I chewed and chewed and chewed some more, but I couldn't choke down the disgusting, soggy mess that was disintegrating in my mouth. And when I could chew no more, I threw up all over the table. I cried, brother laughed, mom sat there silently, dad got up to get towels, gave me a kiss on the head saying it was okay and I could be excused. It was never mentioned again. Honestly, despite everything, you can tell that OP's dad was a good parent. Honestly, I've heard stories of friends in school growing up who had problems with texture. I had a friend in high school who could not eat a lot of berries, especially raspberries because of the hairiness of them. And they would tell me about how their dad, who aspired to be a chef, would force them to sit there and eat not only things like raspberries, which they could not handle, but their weird chef creations. Growing up, did your parents force you to eat stuff you didn't like, or did you get a little bit of leeway? Let me know in the comments down below. 
Our next story is from a barn 1115. Corporate steals our fridge, so we cost them more money. Okay, to start off, let me set the stage. I work at an unmet I work at an unnamed retail corporation that also has a garage. I work in the garage. Keep in mind that we have no AC in the garage, so it gets to be well over 90 degrees most days in the summer. We had a fridge that we used to keep cold drinks and food in. The other day, our regional manager came in and told us that we're no longer allowed to have the fridge or our coffee maker. We originally were told that they'd be getting rid of it, but instead, they decided to put it in the manager's office. So my wonderful manager decided to store use a bunch of ice every single day. If they take our fridge, we're going to slowly take their profits, more and more by the day. Store use basically means to take things off of the shelf and clear the price on it to use it in the store for one reason or another, mainly used when it comes to tools or other supplies. I don't even understand what the company stands to gain from this. Were they trying to like save money by like cutting down the cost of running the fridge and coffee maker? Were they hoping to somehow increase productivity by taking away luxuries? Which by the way, a fridge and a coffee maker at work is very, very, very thinly on the line of luxuries. It should probably just be commonplace, especially if you're working in a place with no AC. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Demon in the Stacks. Want me to scrub the registers at peak time? Sure thing, boss. I work in the store where you pay for a cart and all the cashiers sit. The store floors frequently get pretty dirty because, well, there's a lot of customers coming in and out, especially at the time this story happens. I'm doing some backstock when the MOD comes up to me and says, Hey, store manager wants you to scrub produce in the register area. Keep in mind, our scrubber is a behemoth, loud, and can be difficult to maneuver. Not the best equipment to pull out at 5pm on a Monday. Also, there's lines 8-10 to people deep at both open registers. I point this out to the MOD, and she just shrugs saying, Just get it done. Okay then. I pull out the scrubber and happen to get a lucky break. Produce is empty, so it only takes me a couple of minutes. Now the registers, still crowded. I take the scrubber around the empty registers, feeling the glare of customers on my back. Whether it was from the noise or the weight, I don't know, and nor do I care. Now I'm left with the two jam-packed registers. There's no way I could ask people to wait a moment to let me through. They're already pissed. I can see the manager coming, gesturing at me to get it done. So, I do the most efficient thing I can think of. I go to the back of the line, shut down the scrubber, and wait. And wait, and wait, and wait. Customers are lining up behind me and the cashiers are holding back a laugh as I creep closer. Finally, I'm next and I run the scrubber through the registers. Thankfully, the line on the second register cleared just as I was finishing the first. All done. I take the scrubber back to the back room and I just started to empty it when the store manager comes storming in. Why did that take you so long? Scrubbing is supposed to go quickly. We're too busy for you to be standing around. I say you wanted me to scrub the registers, but the registers were packed. I told MOD that it would take a while. They say you weren't scrubbing, you were just standing in line. I say yep, that was the best way to get through the line. The store manager and I have a stare down for a few seconds before she throws her hands up and walks away. And I've never been asked to scrub the registers during peak times again. Well yeah, I've never worked retail in my life, I've never been a store manager, and I can tell you. 
that it's a terrible idea to go around doing cleaning work around the registers when you've got lines 8 to 10 people deep. Who's the brains of that operation? Maybe the store manager wanted OP to just run everybody over and clean them up too. Our next story is from Hufflepuff Pastry 23 Mild but satisfying. My husband went to a conference in Indianapolis from the Philly area and submitted receipts to get reimbursed for gas, about $150. They rejected his reimbursement and said they'll only reimburse based on mileage, not on receipts. Well, he submitted a new reimbursement claim based on mileage, and now they have to pay him over $800. I've heard a few stories like this where they try to nickel and dime you and it just ends up blowing up in their faces. They want to save money by being technical, but sometimes being technical is actually way more expensive, especially if you have to follow any regulations. This next story is from D23Fan11, I hate bank fees too. Another post reminded me of this interaction at my bank several years ago. I posted it as a comment last year if anyone actually remembers it. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I once ran out of checks and had a few bills to pay, so I ran down to Wells Fargo. After placing an order for replacement checks, the teller had a blank check they could give you called a counter check. Basically, it was a generic check that they could print your routing number and account number on at the bottom with their MICR printer. I asked for four counter checks to pay some bills with while waiting for new checks. The teller told me that they were $5 each. I said, are official bank checks still free with my account package? They say yes. I say, I guess you're paying my bills this month. Let me get the statements out. I responded while pulling out a stack of mail from my briefcase. She defeatedly said, I won't charge you for the counter checks. I'm just trying to figure out if they actually have clearance to allow for that to not happen. Like, I feel like if there's any kind of company or corporation that's going to staunchly defend their $5 fee, it's going to be a bank like Wells Fargo, even if it doesn't really make sense. Our next story is from Stabajack. Pal at a poutine pop-up gets pissed. This happened a couple of years ago, so I'm approximating some of the dialogue, but you get the idea. A couple years ago, my ex and I went to an Air Canada poutine pop-up in D.C. I'd never been to a pop-up restaurant before, and I'd never had poutine before, so I was super excited. We get there maybe an hour after it opened, and it already had a line down the street. So we go to the end, and it actually moved pretty quickly, probably took half an hour tops. It was a small restaurant, basically a big square room with a column in the center, and the line inside snaked to the left and around the register. There was also a board and attendant that helped guide the line. There were maybe 20 people in line inside the store, at most. We looked at the menu for a couple of minutes, but the line was moving too fast for us. 
So we asked the employee if we could step to the side and decide, and she told us to go ahead. Keep in mind, we were still inside of the front door and only a step away from the line. We eventually decided to each get two different poutine and just share bites. They were small servings. We went to get back into the line, and the dude that was walking up was not having it at all. He told us that we weren't allowed to get into line because we'd been waiting there a long time and we needed to go to the back of the line. It was a simple misunderstanding, so I told them that we'd actually just step to the side to decide what to get and that the woman who worked there could back us up. But that wasn't good enough. He kept at it, completely ignoring the employee, saying that no, no, he was there first and we came in after him. I told him that I'd literally seen him walk in the door a few minutes prior. I did. Also, if we'd come in after him, why were we further in the restaurant than he was? But he just wouldn't listen and kept arguing, and at this point he was being such a jerk that I was just done. So I told him, look sir, sir, since you obviously think your time is more important than everyone else in line, you can go ahead and get in front of us. He started to rebut, but I stopped him and said, sir, you won, you can go ahead of us and order your food. The guy looked all kinds of disgusted and just scoffed and started looking around to the other people in line. He was probably looking for someone to back him up because, obviously, he was in the right. But everyone in the restaurant was just staring at him. After a couple of seconds, when he realized that nobody was going to back him up, he didn't say anything else. He didn't go to the counter to order. He just walked away and out the door. The employee tried to apologize to us, but it wasn't her fault. My ex and I got back into line and ordered our food and it was really good. They had decor from all of the cities and countries the different poutine was inspired by, as well as craft beers from there as well. It ended up being a pretty good night, all things considered. Honestly, I think these kinds of moments are great where you can concede and just let them have what they want, but in doing so, you allow them to realize it wasn't worth it at all and they were obviously being the huge jerk and everybody disagrees with them. It's like allowing them to get splashed in the face with the reality that they're just being a huge jerk. And I'm glad they realized and felt like it. And our final story of the day is from Phoenix103082. Policyholder's logic got her more than she bargained for with her policy referral. This could be an entitled person story, but since I complied with a client's logic, I felt like it belonged here. I used to work as a personal auto insurance liability adjuster, and my job was to investigate accidents and coverages determine who's at fault and what coverage they have. An issue we commonly run into is undisclosed drivers, and many parents don't add their kids to their policy to avoid a rate increase, only to be stunned when we deny their collision since they essentially lied about the drivers in their household and depending on the underwriter, they can be dropped. I had a claim where a woman's son who was not listed on the policy and was over 18 hit another car. In the state she lived in, she was required to have him on her policy, New Jersey, since that was his permanent residence. She had him, but removed him. She was one of those Karen types who felt like she knew more than me. I asked her why. She says he's away at college. I say all year? She says no, most of it, and his college is out of state. I say does he live in the dorms or off campus? She says dorms. I say where does his driver license say he lives? She says my address. I say, he still needs to be on your policy. She condescendingly says, no, he doesn't, he lives in the dorms for most of the year. So he's not at this address for most of the year. 
I say yes, but when he comes home for his breaks like summer or winter break, doesn't he use this car at your home? She says no, he has it with him on campus. I say oh, so your son lives in the dorms, but this car he was driving he keeps with him on campus. She says yes, he needs it for his job and to get around. I say, and is this car registered to him at the address of his campus? She says no, the car is registered and insured by me in this state. I say, oh, so even though he's not on the policy, he's still the primary driver and is keeping his car for most of the year at his college out of state? She says yes. I say thank you, that's all. As soon as I hung up, I did an underwriting referral for the car being garaged out of state. Since, based on her logic, the son was not a resident of her household, so that meant the car was not being kept at her primary address. She was sent a letter by underwriting explaining that her policy was not going to be renewed, and since we reported the accident to the insurance database, all new carriers would know her son needed to be on her policy. She called her agent, and we did a conference call, and was livid. I explained that I had taken her side. She said she wasn't a resident of her address, since most of the year her son was on campus. But because of that, the car was not being garaged at her address since the car was also out of state for most of the year. She hung up in a huff after the agent tried to diplomatically explain the situation. As soon as she left the call, he thanked me and told me that she was his least favorite customer and how he was now thrilled he wouldn't have to deal with her anymore. I just feel great for this agent. If anybody's the true winner here, it's definitely him. Just imagine having some kind of mosquito client that bothers you constantly. And somebody comes along and basically says, Oh yeah, no, I squashed that mosquito. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another compliance story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.